When Hernan Lopez left his post as president and CEO of Fox International Channels in 2016 to launch a podcast company, people asked him a fairly straightforward question. Are you nuts? But after 18 years at Fox, he had a keen desire to launch his own venture, and he saw parallels between the nascent medium of podcasting and the cable industry of the early 2000s. The company he started is called Wondery, and today it produces premium podcast fare like Dirty John and Business Wars. Wondery's newest show is called Dr. Death, a true crime saga of a neurosurgeon in Dallas. Here's a quick taste of that. I'm trying to stop this guy from being let operate anywhere, anytime, any place. Have you ever been under the influence of any drugs during the time that you were performing spinal surgery on any patient? I take the fifth. Dr. Death was released just this Tuesday and is already topping the iTunes charts. I'm Brian Breaker, editor of AdAge, and you are listening to the 50th episode of AdLib, which is almost topping the iTunes charts. It is fitting that we would use our 50th episode to talk about podcasting. So Hernan Lopez joins me today as the podcast upfronts get underway here in New York City to discuss the landscape as he sees it, how it's reminiscent of Cable's early days, and what he learned from his time at Fox. Plus, he's going to break a little news. Hernan Lopez, welcome to AdLib, the podcast. You are a man of many podcasts. I'm glad that you could join us today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Hernan, as we, as we mentioned in the, in the intro, uh, you left TV, a very successful and 18-year-long career at Fox International to, to, uh, to launch Wondery, which is a podcast network. Uh, it's been an exciting couple of years. Uh, you're, among the hits at Wondery are Dirty John, Business Wars, and just this uh, just this week, Tuesday, you launched uh, a new show called Dr. Death about a neurosurgeon in Dallas, and it's already number one in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. It's very impressive. And as we are posting this, as if you are listening to this the day it went up, it is the podcast Upfronts in New York, which is, which is what brings you here. Um, let's start there. You are, uh, we have a lot of ground to cover, but let's start with the podcast upfronts. What's, what are, what's the headline today? What are you doing here? What are you looking forward to hearing about and seeing? We are announcing to podcast buyers and the advertising community two things, mainly that we are, A, launching a show with Ellen uh, DeGeneres called Ellen on the Go. It's a twice a weekly podcast featuring the best moments of the show hosted by the long-term producers of the show, Andy uh, Lassner, Mary Connolly, Ed Glavin, and Kevin Lehman. Mm -hmm. And we're also announcing two solutions about how to follow advertising or how to follow podcast listeners outside of the podcast environment. We're calling them Bullseye by Wondery mm-hmm. and Direct Attribution by Wondery. But we can get that to the nitty-gritty after. We'll get down to the, the nitty-gritty. But so that's the, that's the headline today. You're here this week. You're launching a new podcast with Ellen DeGeneres. That's very exciting. Let's take a step back, though. Wondery uh, is, is you started Wondery after a, a, an illustrious career at Fox International, growing it from, uh, I believe you said, a $35 million business to a three-something billion dollar business. Um, our team did that, but your thank you that. for giving me credit. <laughs> uh, and then you walked away. 
you started a podcast company. First of all, uh, what, what on earth? What were you thinking? <laughs> so many people have asked me that question. <laughs> yeah. And we, they have to understand that about half of my time at Fox, I was a so-called entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I was talking to entrepreneurs, people that had started their businesses, some of them sold it to Fox or other companies, mm-hmm. and thinking, I really would like to start a business of my own, especially I had the, 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 the pleasure and then the privilege of seeing the Fox brands outside of the U.S., Nat Geo, Fox Sports, grow from little brands to what then became consumer large television brands. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I couldn't do that in television. I couldn't do that in any other form of media that was established. Mm-hmm. But then I realized as I was listening to podcasts that there was an opportunity in the audio storytelling space. People weren't quite understanding podcasts as an extension of audio storytelling. They thought of them as chat shows or an extension of radio shows. Mm. But when you look at the history of television uh, in the 90s, the average successful television show was a procedural or a sitcom, Mm. where shows that people can watch from beginning to end and miss the next one and not skip a bit. Then in 2001, TiVo comes into play, and what we got next was The Sopranos, Mm. and The Shield, and The Wire, and Mad Men. So the age of serialized, character-driven television came out of a change in which, uh, in in how people watch TV shows. Mm -hmm. So the tech changed the way not only we watch TV shows, but in fact the way TV shows were made, and we're seeing that more than ever today with the, the, the dropping a whole season of Stranger Things and everyone watches it in the night on Netflix, for example. So, but back it up a little bit. So you're, you're, you're in Fox International and you're, 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 you're dealing with entrepreneurs all the time and you're listening to podcasts and you're seeing some sort of parallel between the, the, the nascent podcast space in 2015, 16, 14. whatever, 14. And uh, you're seeing a parallel between that and early days of, of cable. That correct. correct. Exactly. Uh, so, what podcast were you listening to at the time that made you think that there was something there? And how does podcasting mature into? And this is a bigger conversation, but mature into this to the to mature to the point that cable has matured today. Two of them were serial, and I actually got to them late. And season one of Startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day I was flying back from one of these television conferences that I'm sure you've been to, and binge listen to serial uh, five episodes in a row. And I'm not a binge television watch viewer, but I found myself immersed in this story and hooked on it. And as I was trying to understand what was so different from serial uh, compared to every other podcast I had listened to. I realized that serialization, which is the same device that allowed character-driven drama to develop in in television, Mm -hmm. is the same device that got me increasingly invested in the character, in Adnan Sayed, in uh, everybody who otherwise I wouldn't really have paid that much attention. Mm -hmm. And then I realized serial wouldn't have been possible in linear radio, the same way that The Sopranos wouldn't have been possible in linear television. Mm -hmm. But isn't serial in some way... or? You know, if you go back to the old, old days of, of, of radio, you had radio plays and you did have serialized drama and, and comedy shows. So in a way, there's, there's a, there is a, a, almost a retro edge to, to, to this medium. Very much so. What happened was that in the early days, long-form storytelling was possible in radio because people 
would have appointment listening. They would sit in front of their radio and they would listen. They would then listen to the shadow. To, right, <laughs> and then and War of the Walls, and yeah. all that moved to television. And then what happened was that in the U.S., the skill set of long-form audio storytelling uh, dissipated. Uh, it, it, it was very much live in the public radio world, but it disappeared from the private world. And now with podcasting, there's, for the first time, a way of getting those long-form stories told and listened to and monetized in a way that allows them to be made. So with with Serial and this influx of listenership and people interested in creating podcasts, you're seeing sort of uh, a, a parallel, again, to, to the way cable was shaping up around the time of The, the time that I started, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the time you started. So where does it go next? We've got, you're not the only podcast network out there. There are a lot of premium networks that are creating lots of excellent shows. There's Gimlet, there's Panoply, there's How Stuff Works. How do you differentiate? Is there a podcast bubble? Let, let me take that question side by side. First, yep. how we differentiate. I think we're the only ones where the senior staff comes from the world of television and we are based in Los Angeles, so we're drawing in a lot of the skill sets and a lot of the practices both from the point of view of how to make and craft a story and as well as how to market the story. Mm -hmm. So for instance, when we did Dirty John last year in partnership with the LA Times, we knew that it was a psychological thriller. We knew that we wanted to include and develop the characters and get people very interested in one character or the other. Mm -hmm. We knew about cliffhangers. We knew about creating tension through music and sound effects. And then when, we, when it came the time to tell the world about the show, we created a marketing campaign that is inspired on movie marketing campaigns with uh, their own billboards, episodic artwork. And that those kind of practices are now starting to get into the world of podcasting. And the second thing that we did is to create an identity, uh, which we just released uh, this week. Um, uh, our tagline is fill the story. And we we're, we're known for shows that get listeners emotionally immersed into the story. When you listen to any one of our shows, you're going to feel in the shoes of the subjects, mm -hmm. in the shoes uh, of the people that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned marketing. Uh, you guys obviously have, you had a big uh, uh, round of funding last year from Graycroft and, and, and Advanced Capital and a few other companies. Uh, the early promise of podcasting was that it was very democratized. Anyone with a, a mic and a laptop could create a podcast, and up it went. As guys like you come in with your with your TV background and your and your money, it, it, does the, does that lessen the levelness of the playing field? Um, it, it's harder for independent guys to to sort of stand out now than it was in the early days, as I imagine in any form of media that's the case. I believe so, but uh, I believe there the vast majority of podcasts that launch are done by independent podcasters, and mm -hmm. many of them go up to the tops of the charts. And mm -hmm. don't we don't necessarily need to have a narrative structure and high production values in order to stand out? They're some of the most popular podcasts in the world. Are just two guys speaking on my microphone. Mm -hmm. And and so where does where does Wondering go next? Where where not even Wondering? Where does the space go next? We're 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 here. You know the the podcast upfronts are this week. You're comparing it to early days of cable. 
what does it look like in 10 years? What does the space look like? Are there are are there are these networks going to get bigger and bigger? Are they going to get gobbled up by bigger companies? What's what is the what is the trajectory here? I believe we're going to see networks getting to scale and I believe that you're going to see some of the larger media companies or tech companies even acquiring those assets and and, and building a production in-house. So it's not going to look like the cable um, ecosystem of the 90s or the early 80s um, because that system was was very limited in, in, in how many players uh, there could be. I think there's going to be a much more open space in podcasts than there is that there was in cable or in television. Mm-hmm. And, and how about the, the, the earning potential there? What are the different, you, you were mentioning uh, new ad uh, products that you guys are rolling out. What, um, what are the ways in which, aside from the live read, which everyone is familiar with, what are, what are some more innovative or newer ways that we can see podcasts monetizing? For instance, one of the um, products we're announcing today at the IB Podcast Afron is Bullseye by Wondery. And Bullseye goes into pairing one of the best attributes that podcast ads have, the um, ability to tell a story and to prime consumers into buying with one of the best attributes of digital media, which is the ability to click on an ad and then go straight to the page when people can actually act. Mm-hmm. And with Bullseye, what we're doing is targeting people who have listened to one of our ads a few days ago and serve them with a visual ads. Uh, today, served by Google DMP or Snapchat, but more interiors are on the way. Mm-hmm. And that way, we're essentially closing the loop, allowing them to respond to something that was already on the back of their mind. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, this does this does sound like an advance. So where where you hear an ad on a podcast today, you are able to target your listeners and serve it up on online or on their phone later and, and sort of close that funnel. That's 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 interesting. What um, um, so do you see podcasting emerging as a, more of a, a mainstream ad medium for, for Fortune 500 type companies down the road? How, what's the, when does that happen? It's already starting to happen, but I, I think when, when you talk to uh, large ad agencies, the one thing they want to see the more of want to see more of is scale. To this day, podcasts still reach about one third mm-hmm. of the total U.S. population every month, and within the, the younger the group is, the, the higher the reach is. Mm-hmm. But many big brands want to see right. over fifty percent. They want to see the magic hundred million listener number, uh, weekly actually listener number. I would love to see that number as well. We as would well. too. <laughs> and it will happen. It You'll, will happen. It'll be a matter of a few years. What's your top numbers wise, the top listen show that you guys uh, Dirty John was listened to 28 million times, right. and uh, Dr. Death, which just launched this oh, Tuesday, uh, week, right? yep. Tuesday, already on the first two days, is exceeding what we did with Dirty John in the first two days. That's amazing. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the, 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 the upfronts. They're put on by the, the Interactive Advertising Bureau. They've projected uh, that the U.S. market will more than double in ad spending uh, from 2017 to 2020. Uh, to 659 million. That's in the podcasting space. That's a that's a that's a sizable number, but it, it's a tiny fraction of even radio, which is 14 billion, TV, which is 70 billion. So the scale just is isn't there yet. When do you see that scale sort of arriving? I think we're going to see acceleration once we get to 40% penetration of all U.S. consumers. Because right now, many brands see podcasts 
as a nice to have medium, but not a must have medium. But there's a point in which brands say, this is a space that people consumers, where our consumers are, and we cannot afford not to be on that medium. Right, it's a new behavior, it's a new habit, relatively speaking. How do you get people to adopt a new habit? More hits, it's as simple (laughs) as that. Uh, A lot of people talk about discovery, talk about platforms, talk about how all the, the different frictions in the ecosystem. To me, simply about more hits, having more shows like Serial, like Dirty John, like Dr. Death, like Missing Richard Simmons, that many people, both existing and casual, habitual and casual listeners can talk about. Yeah, how, how so aside from hits, it's nice to have a hit. Uh, how, do you, how do you build an audience, even if you do have a hit, how do you get more listeners? It's a combination of, um, for our playbook includes audio ads. Every time that we launch a new show, we'll release a trailer on the feed of multiple uh, ads. Uh, second component are social media and video. You saw a trailer of Dr. Death, which will remind you of the kind of trailer that you see for a movie. Do you get advertisers saying like, ah, I don't really want to be next to something called Dr. Death? We ha- it hasn't happened as much as you would think. In fact, mm-hmm. Dr. Delph is, and Dr. Delph is sold out. The, the mm-hmm. traditional advertisers in podcasts are less brand-sensitive than uh, many of the more mainstream advertisers, but mm-hmm. there are places where um, they, they will not go, for sure. And the, um, the, the, the other way of getting new listeners is through featured um, recommendations on the main platform uh, players. And finally, press. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday already, Vice and Rolling Stone both wrote stories about Dr. Death on the first day of release, and we expect that the more people listen to it, the more they're going to write yeah, about word it. Word of mouth, earned and owned, and all of the above. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about your background for a little bit, if you, if you don't mind. You were born in, born in Argentina. You have an I MBA was. from University of Miami. I was, correct? yeah. Um, how did you get into uh, TV? And, and talk about those 18 years at Fox. Those were really sort of rocket ship years. What, um, what, what prompted you to go into this field in the first place? My very first job in Argentina was a copy, to be a copywriter. This is when I was doing uh, college uh, at night, uh, and I was working during the day uh, at a radio and cable company. I was in charge of writing copy for the advertisers that didn't have an ad agency. So I interacted with the sales team and with the creative team and I always brought with me that love of both sides of the equation Mm -hmm. and then from then on I went to work for other television and radio company uh, which eventually led to Fox hiring me to do their ad sales in Argentina and then six months later uh, moved me to the U.S. Oh, okay. So you, you were not you, you came you weren't in the in in uh, Argentina for for that long. Uh, yeah, moved moved, moved at twenty twenty seven, and okay. uh, and there came a point where I realized that I didn't want to be in sales of my life, and the way to get out of sales was to go back to school. So I went and did an um, executive MBA at University of Miami, and that's when I got my first PNL job to run. What was then the Fox Latin American channel uh, based out of Los Angeles? Okay, which is where you're based. Which to, is where, right to this day. To this day. Uh, and um, you you mentioned that you you sort of had a love for both the, the sales and the and the creative side of, the of business. Things. Right. How, how involved in creative are you today? I'm wondering. I mean, as the founder, very involved. Yeah, very involved. So for from every point of view on on our main shows, uh, just to give you an example, the, the idea of Business Wars, one of the shows that I love the most uh, at Wondery. We wanted to create an immersive uh, business show that could be 
produce with a single voice and could get people to, could hold people's attention with just one voice. Mm. So we had another show called Inside the Exorcist that achieved exactly that. It was by Mark Ramsey, a great audio documentary, or as he called it, an audiographic novel about the making of Inside the Exorcist and later we did Inside Jaws. Mm -hmm. And I said, why don't we apply the same style to a business show, but the premise needs to be uh, having two businesses fight against one another so that we always have conflict. And mm -hmm. we've done season on Netflix against um, Blockbuster. Yeah, Coke and Pepsi. Coke and Pepsi is yeah. the latest one. Uh, um, and uh, and it's, a, it's one of the shows that is resonating the most with our listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what, what's coming next? What are, what, do you have any shows in the pipeline that you can talk about? Very much so. So what mm -hmm. we're announcing today at, um, at the IB Podcast Upfront uh, is Legal Wars, a mm -hmm. follow-up to Business Wars. The first um, episode of the first series is the Gawker against Hulk Hogan case. Oh, wow. Uh, we're going to have uh, the 9-11 insurance case. Uh, then we're launching a show called American Scandal with Lindsey Graham, not the senator. It's <laughs> Lindsey Graham who I was gonna say, hosts. He's a very busy guy. Very busy indeed, <laughs> who hosts the American History Tellers for us. And then another show called Imagine Life. We do this device in many of our shows when we start the episode saying, imagine that you're ex, and then we get you to be invested. Actually, if you listen to Dr. Death, mm -hmm. that's the first thing that you will hear. Imagine that you're patient. Mm -hmm. And um, in this case, is imagine that you're a kid in South Africa and you are adopted and your father treats you this well and that. And then we take you through the whole episode telling you the story in the second person. And then we reveal at the end that you're Elon Musk. Hmm. And then after that, we tell you what Elon Musk did after that. So mm -hmm. that show is called Imagine Life. Okay. So in second person. So you are growing up. You right? are, exactly. So empathy in a way, which is the theme of our the last podcast we did, as a matter of fact. So it seems to be seems to be going around. Mm -hmm. um, what <coughs> uh, what has surprised you in the in the podcasting space? I mean, you were so steeped in television. How was the learning curve coming to Wondery and starting Wondery? And, and what are some of the sort of mistakes that you've made? We, um, one of the biggest mistakes that I made is that when I started the company, I thought that scripted drama would be a space where we could excel. And with the first year, we did several original shows, most of them in the scripted drama space. And then I realized that I was cornering the company in a niche within a niche. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're still doing scripted drama, but we're doing so much more than that. And we realize that people like true stories, um, and they gravitate towards true stories. Yeah. So, and it does seem to be a lot of a lot of what you guys do. So, if you were to give advice to someone starting a podcast today, what would it be? Uh, you have to be find out what podcasts your listeners are listening to today, mm -hmm. and how is your podcast going to be different from that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's very rare that anybody will come up with a completely new idea. So you know, even in order to think about your not only your target but how to market your show to somebody, you need to find out what are they doing today because mm -hmm. people are listening to more shows. And the the average person today, I think, according to Edison, is listening to seven different shows at one time, and that's going slightly up. But they're not listening to a hundred shows. Uh, so it's likely that your new podcast will come out of somebody else's time. Which me, which brings me back to an earlier question, which I don't think we really fully addressed, is at what point is there a podcast bubble? Because there are so many of them out there. No one can listen to more than, you're saying, seven at a time. I, I maybe average three or four. 
where where is the saturation point? I think there's um, uh, the, it's, it's no different for books or movies or television shows or YouTube videos. Uh, there's a point at which somebody starts making a show and they have a lot of enthusiasm and then the listeners don't come in and then they um, abandon. And I can't believe, I can't remember exactly, but there was a stat not that long ago about how many podcasts out of the 550,000 have stopped publishing show uh, episodes altogether, and they're the majority. So you, you'll find that many podcasts start, not a lot of podcasts go on. Mm-hmm. So uh, having been at Fox then for so long and then and then coming to this, which is is not maybe not a completely different medium, but a pretty pretty different medium, what do you wish you had known then? What would you go back in time and tell your yourself when you were at Fox? And do you wish you had done this earlier? I think I did it at the right time. If anything, uh, a lot of people that talked to me two years ago and were wondering what was I thinking uh, were probably addressing that the marketplace was very small today and still very small um, relative to radio even. But we are a top 10 publisher on Patrack and we're a, a, a national brand and we, we have listeners all over the world. That I don't think will be possible um, five years from now with a company that started by one person and... and uh, well, you had help from, from your friends at 20th Century Fox, right? We, we, they made a $250,000 investment, but other than there wasn't a lot of um, yeah, direct conversation into the company because I went on to run the company and obviously they have much bigger things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have a, a relationship with Fox at all? Uh, well, I have a personal relationship with a lot of people over there. Many of my you know, best colleagues like John Langreff and mm-hmm. Dana Walden are still there and Peter Rice, and I talk to them mm-hmm. uh, quite often, actually. You, you poach any of them? Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, they are I, – I learned pretty much everything that, uh, that I know I learned at Fox. It mm-hmm. was an amazing place to work for, and a lot of people misunderstand the place from the outside because it's mm-hmm. so conflated between – uh, the West Coast culture and the East Coast uh, culture, and I, I had an amazing time at Fox. Mm-hmm. How is uh, how is Fox perceived abroad? Fox ab- abroad is perceived uh, very well. That, that, that's the business that I run. There are very few cases where the Fox brand is associated with what people don't like about Fox News, but in the majority of the places, Latin America was a giant business. Um, Italy, we had a substantial business, so so in Spain, so in many places around Asia, and the Fox brand is as strong as any television brand. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you think TV is going? Where do you see the future of either addressable or TV dollars or you know this there there's so much money tied up in TV but we're seeing people moving more and more towards streaming where 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 do you see that landscape evolving i i think it's all um becoming one uh, the video landscape is becoming one between streaming and uh linear i i don't think that you're going to see uh 10 years from now that the players are going to be substantially different because the main players in both the established side and then the, the the upcoming companies are very, very much, I think their hands are dealt. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I don't think you're going to see anything surprising 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. But in podcasts, you will? Uh, in podcasts, it's because it's so new, yeah. nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the biggest company in podcast today is NPR, right? Public media company, public radio. They had a head start. They had a head start. Actually, WNYC started earlier. But out of the top 10 publishers in Podtrack, five 
are not-for-profit companies. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Mm. So I think the space is wide open for companies like us and other private companies to come in and, and, and really create an alternative. And knock out stuff. those nonprofits. I'm not <laughs> saying knocking them out because I am a huge fan of what they do, yeah. but have a different sound, have a different sensibility, have a different style of storytelling that complements what they do. Great. Uh, is there anything else you want to want to add? Um, I would like for people to uh, listen, obviously, uh, to our shows. They can find us on wondery.com mm-hmm. or on the Apple Podcast page. We're a feature provider. And I, anybody who isn't uh, listening to, e- within your listeners, any, mm-hmm. anybody who isn't listening to Business Wars in particular mm-hmm. should try it because they will absolutely get hooked on that show. Right. But don't don't cancel this sh- subscription no <laughs> for that one um great well hernan thanks so much for for coming have a good time at the at the upfront so i wish you guys the best of luck thank you very much thank you for having me i want to thank hernan lopez of wondery for joining me today i'm brian breaker editor of ad age and you have been listening to ad lib it was produced this week by alfred mascaroni Be sure to subscribe to us at iTunes or listen to us at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever there are good podcasts. Give us stars, but more importantly, tell a friend and read us every day at adage.com.